Today's episode is sponsored by vehiclescore.co.uk, the best site to visit if you want to make a more informed decision when buying a used car. Hello and welcome to the June episode of Charging Status, the UK and Ireland EV-focused podcast brought to you from the interface. As ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Starling. How are you doing, Jim? Yeah, good, thanks, Alex. How are you? Awesome. I'm a bit, bit shell-shocked, but we'll discuss that a bit later on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, there's a lot of stuff happened since we last spoke. So we spoke, we recorded uh, early last month. We've we've actually met up in person again for a, a media event, which was always fun. Uh, a lot of not new cars announced this month and a lot of new charging information as well. So should we get kickstarted with the SMMT Drive Day? Yeah, what a day that was. Um, if I guess a lot of people listening to this will be unfamiliar with the SMMT Drive Day. Uh, SMMT, uh, basically the, the body that sort of looks after the motor industry in the UK. And uh, the, the Drive Day is a chance for journalists and influencers, or in my case, influencers, to go along and uh, drive some cars around the Millbrook Proving Grounds. And um, lots of manufacturers there, and we literally just go up to the manufacturer and say, can I take that one out? And they say yes or no, essentially. But this was uh, uh, quite a new thing for me. I'd never been to Millbrook before, although I've been to several drive days before, but completely new for you, Alex. Yeah, it's uh, so, um, yeah, it was such a weird, not well, it's such a new experience. So it's, um, it's a bit of a, well, a bit of a jolly, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, pretty much. Uh, but there's so many, so many car manufacturers there. Lots of EVs. I think SMMT. They had a, a like a sort of a little press conference at the very start of the day, and they yeah. spewed off some facts about EVs. And EVs are making up a massive portion of the market right now, um, which is always good to see. So, what did what did you end up driving on the day? Because we we did we did meet up a few times in the day and went in the car together and sort of split yeah, you- up as well. So. You did try and kill me, actually, in that Fiat 500. Um, so I think we should should mention that. But then as a thank you for that, I took you out in the BMW Z4M um, <laughs> and tried to get my own back slightly. Um, Alex did decide to use his left foot on the brake in an automatic Fiat 500 and nearly put me through the windscreen, uh, which yeah. was quite quite interesting. But 500 was great fun, though, right? Oh man, it's uh, you had you had one of yours. You had the 500e uh, for a month, I think. Um, yeah, and you reviewed it, and you said how fun it was. And I thought I have to drive this. To, I had to drive that on the day. Really little fun, really fun little car. I was I was very surprised. Yeah, massively underrated, I think. And lots of people like me, you know, I, I remember the day that 500 turned up on the drive, and I sort of thought, eh, well, it's a car, <laughs> and um, sort of fell in love with it. Really fell in love with it uh so yeah lots of grins um i drove lots of petrol power cars on the day because obviously i've driven most of the evs that are available in the uk um however i did drive the renault megan e-tech for the first time and i drove the id buzz commercial yeah so uh the e-tech was nice um didn't sort of astound me in any way but it felt like a really good solid offering from Renault for you know a a true EV coming from them 
and uh, design i think it's great i think it's a really cool looking thing um so i mean realistically what do we have alex 10 minutes with each car 15 minutes yeah it's about 15 minutes i think yeah. yeah so i mean you can't form a decent opinion on it and obviously you you don't even touch the infotainment system and things like that but certainly it was i was sort of quietly impressed with the renault megan e-tech uh the id buzz commercial slightly odd driving a van with nothing in the back uh, because obviously the whole balance and everything is designed to have a load in the back. So empty vans don't drive as well as a, a, a van with a load, but it was actually quite a pleasant thing and um, handled quite well. And despite the size and shape, felt quite car-like to drive, I thought. What do you think? Yeah, I drove that as well. I think that's, I think that's the first vehicle I sort of hopped on on the day. Mm. I, was, I was so excited to drive that. Um I think EV vans, the suspension on them are more like a car compared to petrol vans. Always makes it a bit bouncy, uh, but yeah. EV vans have proper independent suspension, which I think helps improve the ride quality. But I was really impressed. It's sat, I quite like the dash. There's a lot of storage stuff, uh, a lot of storage space in front of the steering wheel, which I, I, quite, I found quite nice. Yeah, it's fantastic for that, definitely. Yeah, really good. Did, did you drive the, um, the, the standard ID buzz in the end or not? No, that was always everyone hopped on that, yeah. so that wasn't available as, as as much as other vehicles. So, yeah, 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 same here. Yeah, also drove the MG5, the the mm-hmm. estate uh, estate MG5. That was quite that was quite fun. So it was um, very comfortable though. You sort of sat nice and low. Uh, a lot of the materials in that car are quite nice, but um, obviously I didn't get. I can't remember much of it because I didn't get very long with it. But um, also, as I, as I mentioned, the the 500e, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah the, i'm desperately trying to get an mg5 on loan but they've been really really popular so um i haven't had one yet but I, still i continue what else <laughs> have you been driving this week alex um so i've i've had my first press car um which i'm yeah i was really really happy with uh the mg4 i've had that from friday it's going sadly going back tomorrow mm-hmm. you didn't um you didn't crash it or anything, did you? Or... No. <laughs> no, I, I slightly damaged it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But always, it happens. Uh, it's all good. It does. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. Um, it just it's happened to you and it's never happened to me. That's that's all we need to really say yeah, about that. Older and wiser. <laughs> that's what it is. You said older and fatter the other day, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, i've got the subaru solterra on the drive this week uh the uh, review for that will be coming out next week on my channel youtube channel definitely not a guru if you haven't already subscribed shame on you (laughs) if you haven't and i guess your mg4 video is it be this week or next week alex i'm not too sure i think it'd be either i think it'd be next week yeah yeah cool yeah so keep Keep um, keep your eyes peeled on uh, the interface and on my channel for, for those two to come out. But Solterra, obviously, is a shared platform with uh, the Toyota BZ4X. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's a, an interesting price point, definitely. At £53,000, it's got some very, very stiff competition. Um, so watch that video and find out a bit more about my thoughts. I don't think it'd be that much money, but yeah, I'd be interested to watch your video. And uh, Alex, like MG4, if you had to give us an elevator pitch, 
Uh, did it meet your expectations, exceed your expectations, or perhaps fall a little bit short? If I'm honest, it fell a little bit short of my expectations. Um, yeah. I said in the review that it was, it's won so many awards and it was hyped, but it, it, there's a few things on it which aren't quite as good as I thought they'd be. Um, but mm. I think if you overlook those, especially with some lease deals, I've noticed you can get you can get MG4 about 110 pound a month on lease logo. I've, I've seen. Um, so it's, 110. It, it might not have been lease loco, but I've seen somewhere for 110 pound a month. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> With lease deals, I'm, 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 that's all right. I'm going to yeah. educate the audience here. There are lots of sites that advertise lease deals that don't exist. And they do that just to gather your customer information. None of uh, them would ever admit to doing it. But if you call, yeah, I don't know if you remember years, well, you won't, but some of the people listening may have uh, tried to book a holiday using CFAX back when God was a boy. And you'd call these places and the holiday would have gone. The deal would have gone. But we've got this one we can offer you. And it's that kind of approach. Um, the good thing with Lease Loco is everything's vetted. And companies that are on there have kind of a three strikes approach. So mm. um, everything on there should be available. Obviously, the website's not entirely dynamic and does have to update at points during the day. So it will occasionally happen but you won't see any of those silly price deals that you'll see oh, okay. on, on some leasing websites that are a nonsense. Overall, uh, pretty good car. Just a few shortcomings, which which is to be, is to be expected for a cheaper electric vehicle in the market. So, Yeah, definitely. Right, so moving on to the EV news for this month. Um, back in late May, uh, Tesla had a, a US uh, shareholder meeting so on that on that call, Elon Musk confirmed that Tesla is working on two new products. One of them is a is likely to be a Model Three refresh. So that car has been on sale for three or four years now, um, and it's there's rumor that that car is going to have a facelift, yeah, uh, with a new design. But the most interesting point was a hatchback. So um, obviously. It's, the barrier to entry with the Tesla at the moment is the price. Tesla are obviously looking into becoming a sort of a high volume EV manufacturer, and the best way to do that is, is a a more affordable car. So, do you think this would be a good a good move for Tesla? Or, yeah, I think it could be an absolute game changer for EVs. Really, um, if you look at the probably the most significant EV that's ever been delivered to market to date would have been the Model S because it was the first one to really offer a usable range and, um, you know, not be a, a really small car and mm-hmm. take people out of their three series and their five series and their a six and what have you. And obviously the model three then came along and bought EVs to more like the masses. And I think the model two could be the, 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 the sort of next, next step of that process. Um, Elon's talked a lot over the years about price for this, this idea and um, possibly a, a car for under 20 grand. Mm. And <clears throat> obviously the world's changed a lot in that time and whether that 20,000 pound number is realistic remains to be seen. But I think if Tesla came out with something with a good range, good performance, we know all the techs there, if they could do that sub 25, I mean, that would be an absolute game changer, I think. And it would be enough to, to probably drag a few more people over to EV. Yeah, 
Um, there's speculation that it could have a price of around £20,000 and a range of 250 miles, which that is a good sweet spot for an EV. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the other thing is when we might actually see it because obviously Tesla is already struggling to keep up with demand of his existing models. Although, you know, there are some changes coming to that lineup, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, they don't tend to do anything quickly. So I wonder if we, we're realistically going to see this before about 2025. Yeah, they've they've got a few cars that are delayed. So the Cybertruck has mm. been delayed by a lot. So is the, the semi's being delivered to people to customers but at quite a slow rate and then the roadster which was announced eight years ago i think yeah um, it still hasn't come to anyone even though they've put down massive deposits so by the way that model three refresh they're saying they might maybe taking some styling cues from the roadster which will be great if so because to me the biggest issue with the model three is it doesn't look fantastic and the roadster does look fantastic I will admit the Model Three has sort of grown on me over the past few years. It's been on, I've seen them on the road, but yeah, yeah, as you as you do look at it, it doesn't look quite quite right. Next next big story was the all new Ford Tornio Courier. So, uh, if Ford's commercial vehicles, they do a passenger variant of them, uh, and then the new Courier was released a few months ago. Uh, it was announced a few months ago, more like, and then they've announced the Tornio passenger vehicle. And what I found most interesting about the story when I was when I was writing it. Is that once the Fiesta goes off, once the Fiesta goes out of production later this year uh, or next year, this this will be the entry level production passenger vehicle that Ford will have, um, and well, apparently the prices will be about twenty thousand pounds, which is probably what the Fiesta was anyway. Yeah, yes, yeah, re- I I just still can't get my head around the fact that they're pulling the Fiesta away. Uh, it's still in the, like this year, it's in the the top ten. Um, most popular new cars in the UK, just based on this year's sales alone, mm. and it's, it baffles me why they're withdrawing it rather than kind of developing that out further. Because in future, I think there's going to be more and more call for small cars, and I know there's the whole issue about electrifying such a small platform, but others are doing it, and yeah. um, obviously you can increase cabin space because you, you can push the wheels further into the corners and you know, generate a bit more space to put some batteries, etc. So it seems a really odd one for me, but the Tornado Courier, yeah, at 20 grand, it's obviously not the most amazing looking vehicle. So it's only going to appeal to a, a certain market. Um, but yeah, just the fact that Fiesta's going is an odd one to me. Yeah, especially with other manufacturers like Stellantis sort of doubling down on smaller cars, yeah. especially electric smaller cars. And as we mentioned, uh, they've got the uh, the Fiat 500 electric, which is an impressive little vehicle. So this new Tornio Courier is going to be available as both an ICE, so a petrol uh, model. It's not, they're not going to do a diesel version, which is which is interesting. So the electric model will become will come to the market after the petrol version. It's going to have uh, charging up to 100 kilowatts. That means charging speeds from 10 to 80% in around half an hour um, and about 135 horsepower. So Sounds good. And this sort of adds to Ford's EV lineups. So they've got the F-150 Lightning, Mustang Mach-E, the big Ford e-Transit, and then very soon we're going to get the e-Transit Custom, which is pretty much the the backbone of, of this country for sort of deliveries and and uh, telecommunications. So Yeah, definitely. I've driven the um, the electric Transit. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I nearly rolled it actually because I was caught unawares by um, <laughs> by a speed bump, and uh, it's a very high sided vehicle. Yep, and I was going reasonably quickly, and uh, yeah. When you talk about landing in a transit, it's not a good start, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So that this uh, new fe- this feature for Apple Maps is um, the EV routing for Apple Maps isn't really available on many vehicles up until this this announcement. It was only available on one car, uh, and that was the Mustang Mach-E. But they've slowly bringing it out to other other models, and in May. Uh, Porsche announced that they're now going to support this feature. And if you're not aware, this feature basically intelligently tells you where to charge, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh, it, but I think it requires some communication between CarPlay and the car, so hence why some cars haven't had it. And it is yep. only available in the US currently. So, But it's a good good feature to have. It'll make running an EV a bit easier, even if that is a Taycan. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if it is. When I saw the when I saw the price of the the Citroen Ami buggy, I was like ten and a half grand for for that. I'm not sure who who's gonna who's gonna use that. If you know what I mean, um, it hasn't got yeah, any doors. <laughs> I'm really surprised they put it on sale in the UK. Yeah, as you say, no doors. Like, why sell it in a country where it rains for seventy percent of the year? I know. And that press image, which was delivered by Citroen, that's. That's not the UK. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not Clacton Beach or something, is it? <laughs> um, but it is very, very limited edition. So they're only going to make a thousand of them and only 40 of those are going to come to the UK. Yeah, and um, they're only going to sell three of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the yeah, the Ami was designed, always designed to be sort of an affordable little runaround for cities and for London and other large cities, that's perfect because you don't go above ten mile an hour. Um, yeah, so this is quite expensive, really, but ten and a half thousand pounds. With forty, they might literally just be using them for promotional vehicles, or or just selling them for really for people that are going to use them for promotional stuff. The next item is from Catrum, so we haven't really seen many sort of raw sports cars that are electric just yet. Obviously, we mentioned the Tesla Roadster, but that is sort of a more of a supercar than anything else, but something like a Catron we haven't really seen until now. So what do you think about sort of old-fashioned sports cars becoming electric? Yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely fine with it, but I'm I'm not the typical old-fashioned sports car owner, I guess. There'll, <laughs> there'll, there'll be Caterham lovers, and I mean, the person that owns a Caterham is pretty much very, very invested in Caterham. Um, mm-hmm. They are owned solely by enthusiasts i would say i can't think of a car that's got more of a kind of pure enthusiast following than a caterham and i guess there'll be some that think great fantastic this is good this is something new from caterham and there'll be uh, others that struggle to hold back their vomit uh, because they're so disgusted by the idea but personally yeah cool (laughs) let's have some electric sports cars (laughs) Yeah, we good. At this point, it isn't. Caterham have said this car won't be on sale anytime soon. It's more of a mm. prototype than anything else. Yeah. Um, but what I found most impressive is that um, so a standard petrol seven four eight five weighs six hundred and twenty six kilos. This mm. is just seven hundred and one kilograms, uh, and it's and it's got fast charging to up to one hundred and fifty kilowatts, uh, three hundred and twenty horsepower. Uh, no range figures, obviously, but 
Um, it's going to make its public debut here in the UK at Goodwood in July. Yeah, I guess the range is going to be really low because it doesn't really need to be anything else, does it? Because you're no. not going to you're not going to circumnavigate the the globe in a Caterham Seven, are you? Um, so it's like your Sunday afternoon pop out for a couple of hours kind of car, really. So I'd imagine I'd be surprised if it had a range over a hundred miles, really. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Also, got, got to think about keeping the cost down as much as they can, and obviously, so much of the cost of an EV is that battery. So, update to the Q8 or Q8 e-tron model range last month. Uh, so, the Audi have put the SQ8 e-tron SUV on sale in the UK, priced from just under a hundred grand. We're seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot of this. A lot of big mm. SUVs are electric, just around about a hundred k. Uh, this one's ninety-seven and a half thousand. Pretty potent, uh, 370 kilowatts of power, just under 1,000 neat meters of torque, which is just mind-blowing. Um, 270 miles of range, which doesn't sound like loads. Um, and 280 miles of range in the in the Sportback Coupe model. So it's a lot of money for not much range. Yeah, and I mean, that could be said for quite a lot of the Audis that have come out to date, really. It's a lot of money and not much range. And they really, it feels to me like, it's almost a little bit lazy. Um, uh, others out there are, are, are beating those range numbers considerably, and Audi are sort of saying, "Well, you get on with it. We, we're going to mm. not bother, and we're going to charge more." Uh, and it seems like an odd way to take things in the current market. Yeah, um, there's, there's, there are cheaper cars which can do, which which have more range. This is. This is sort of an update to the Q8, so it's got a lot more power than the standard e-tron yeah. Q8. Uh, that might be the sort of appeal, just the raw acceleration of it, which those figures don't think they've released those figures yet. No, all they've, all they've revealed is the range and the power of it, so there's no sort of performance figures just yet. I mean, I talk about the range, but I, I'm always the person that, that reminds people of their sort of bladder range and, you know, you, you really... Oh, yeah. You drive for a couple of hours stop somewhere, charge for 10 minutes, get back in the car and it's got 80 miles more in it or something. Yeah. Um, if you can find a charger that's available and it's not broken. Um, so how much of an issue it really is, I know. who knows, but it, it just seems that should be 350 miles of range in a car of that mm. size. Oh yeah, the Q8's huge. Mm. And when we're on the subject of charging, I was so this week was the first time I've had an EV for more than a day. So I've had to charge it a few times. I was surprised how quickly it charges. So I was at a Costa. It's a charger that only does about 60, 70 kilowatts. So it wasn't like rapid charging. And it added like 50% of range in half an hour, which I was like, yeah, oh, it's really, it's surprising. You're just having a coffee. So yeah, when I did that trip to Edinburgh in the Tesla Model Y, um, sure enough, you know, we were at Tesla superchargers. But so quick, like a couple of times you just stopped at a service station to pop in and use the toilet. Come back out, and you know there's a really significant amount of range has gone into the car in a really short period of time, uh-huh. uh, especially especially obviously when the battery's quite depleted already. Um, yep. It's just obviously home chargers take a long time, but you're typically charging overnight anyway. So um, <clears throat> I think as soon as long as you've you know, as soon as you have an EV and actually live with it for a couple of weeks, you 
really quickly learn to just graze with your power and completely remove that mindset of full to empty that you have in petrol cars. Yeah, I think I think some of it's from the mindset of phones. So people always just plug their yeah. phone and wait for it to get hundred percent and then they'll go again. I think it is different with the with a car, definitely. Mm, yeah, definitely. We talked about the Citroen Ami a few minutes ago, uh, and because Fiat and Citroen are part of the same big happy family that is Stellantis, they've got a rebadged version of the Citroen Ami called the Fiat Topolino. So it sort of looks like an old Fiat. I think that's probably what they're going for. Yeah, definitely. And um, I see they've replaced it with this one. Instead of going for that weird bar that's on the Ami buggy, they've replaced mm-hmm. it with a rope on this. Um <laughs> for a door so yeah i've always wanted a rope as a door it's been a life lifelong goal of mine uh, <laughs> again like I, I don't know how many of these they would possibly sell in the uk for anything other than marketing purposes but it is a cool looking little thing yeah so fiat has said this is designed to encapsulate the coolness of the original fiat 500 and it won't be going on sale here in the uk it's just for just for italy yeah okay we'll let them off yeah, and this is the the third um, Citroen Ami based car that that group has produced. They're in in Germany. They've got the Opel uh, Rocks E, which is just a, a rebadged Citroen Ami again. So, all oh, right, I've I haven't seen that actually. Looks a lot more aggressive than the the, the Fiat Topolino. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. Right, so this is probably the biggest story we've got from for this episode. Um, the we mentioned Tesla uh, at the top of the show. What happened? What what did Tesla do last month? So Tesla announced that they are no longer going to make the Model X or the Model S as right-hand drive. Uh, Therefore, lots of Tesla customers have cancelled their orders. Um, What are your thoughts on this, Alex? Yeah, I I think we we talked about last episode about driving driving on the wrong side. But I was surprised that I was surprised and not surprised that many people have cancelled their orders. they, I think I think this is mainly for the Model S Plaid that was revealed a couple of years ago, and people have had pre-orders for those yeah. two or three years. And this is this is why people have been cancelling. Tesla have tried to sort of sweeten the deal to keep people wanting their car. They've offered th- three years free of supercharging to go with it, but that probably hasn't done enough to to win people over. Many many customers have opted to seek alternatives from Mercedes and Porsche. So those two those two companies have got the EQS and the Taycan, which are probably the most comparable vehicles to model s yeah i mean if you've ordered a right hand drive car and it turns up and the steering wheels on the wrong side it is a tough one i know the free supercharging is a a nice gesture but a nicer gesture would have been to give people the cars they ordered at least (laughs) at least if they'd have fulfilled the existing orders but i guess the reality of it is they'd have to retool and everything for you know relatively few orders um but yeah, Tesla don't mind disappointing their customers on occasion, do they? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but that's they they are the the great disruptor though, aren't they? So I guess that's all part of it. Yeah. They also ran an event early last month for two or three days saying that reservation holders could go and try a left hand car, left hand drive car in the UK. Mm. Uh, but as I mentioned in the article, it can be quite risky, especially if you're ever taking on I yeah. imagine on country roads and things just and also motorways we quite dodgy yeah it, it's not a cheap car either to have such a compromise like that is it no not really no 
again, we discussed the Fiat 500 EV at the start of the show. Fiat have announced they called it a grant, which I found really weird. They just it's just a price it's just a price cut. Basically. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And it is basically just a price cut of three grand off the Fiat 500 and the 500C. But they, again, they've called it the Fiat E Dash Grant. So, um, and this is to combat the lack of the plug-in car grant that the UK government stupidly removed in June. Yeah, and they've also then said that we're doing this and the government needs to give us a grant again. Well, mm-hmm. you, could, you could also look at this and say, well, you, you could buy a 500E for £32,000, um, which you could get the absolute top spec MG4 for thirty-two grand, And, you know, there's a lot of other... £32,000 for a Fiat 500E is an insane mm-hmm. amount of money for a small car and um i think they're doing a bit of finger poking but what it should actually be is actually we need to charge a more sensible price for our cars because we're not selling enough of them at the current extortionate price yeah it is it's difficult to understand unless a car company would come out and say this is how much the car battery costs us like just broke it down for each car that'd be quite interesting to see and also make more sense um, but yeah, they did. They did write an open letter to the UK government saying that the plug-in car grant helped kickstart the UK electric car revolution. But the cost of living crisis and rising cost of electric vehicles uh, means some individuals are not able to make that switch. Um, just for context, the plug-in car grant was announced back in 2011, and at that time it was five thousand pounds. And mm. just before it was got rid of in June last year, it was only fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah, it's an odd one, though, because it's like saying the taxpayer can no longer afford to buy our our vehicles. So could we have some taxpayers' money to make it cheaper for them? Mm. (laughs) Really, isn't it? When you think, when you sort of get down to it. Yeah, Um, pretty much. Yeah, but I think it'd be good if they, you know, if the EV switch is purely for environmental reasons and everything else, uh, for the government to share to ring fence some extra duty that they, or some of the duty they charge on fossil fuels and use that for uh, EV grants going forward. That would be a sensible thing to do. Um, yep. but of course, governments don't always make sensible decisions. And one of the claims that Fiat made in their open letter was that um, EV sales have plateaued, even though, the SMMT has said that EV sales have gone up by 25.5% <laughs> from 2022 to 2023. <laughs> mm, yeah. A little bit of twisting yeah. going on there, but... Yeah, yeah, odd one. Charging status is proudly recorded using Squadcast. Squadcast provides an easy and robust way to record video and audio podcasts. Use our referral link to help support this as well as future episodes. Charging status is also proud to be hosted with Castos. Castos provides an easy way to host podcasts and distribute them to all the top platforms, including YouTube. Use our referral link to help support this as well as future episodes. The next story is the ID Buzz long wheelbase. And this is going to be the sort of catalyst for the next generation of California, so the camper van. Um, yeah. So this was announced a few days ago now uh, in, Calif- in California itself, ironically. Um, this is sort of a, just a bigger ID Buzz, but it's got some extra extra bits and pieces that the smaller car doesn't have. I mean, it's got huge capacity. I think with the, if you have it in five seat mode, I'm sure it's like 1250 liters of boot space. 
And if you <laughs> if you remove the seats altogether, it's like two and a half thousand litres. So it's I mean it's a full on van, isn't it? Um, yeah. The, the thing that I thought was a bit disappointing is, although they're offering an option with a larger battery, you've still only got a fairly average range really coming from it. And again, there's all that real estate, and you think should that not be over 350 because if ever ever uh well should it not be over 300 miles of range because if ever there's a touring vehicle it's that one yeah so this this other this um longer wheel based id buzz also has a new panoramic glass sunroof and apparently they've used some sort of crystals in the in the material that's very similar to a rolls royce from 20 years ago the sort of it can insulate the car in cold months reject heat in the in the summer months which is quite a nice feature yeah, especially in an EV when it could sort of reduce the need to use the aircon, which is quite oh, yeah. nice. Um, yeah, the 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 range, uh, although they're keeping it a bit of a mystery at the moment, it's going from a seventy-seven kilowatt hour battery uh, to an eighty-five, or certainly there's going to be the option for an eighty-five kilowatt hour battery. And then released yeah. any figures on that at the moment, but the the range on the current one's two hundred and fifty six. Is it two hundred and fifty six miles? That sort of and, thing. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of suggestion that maybe with the larger battery pack, it will get to up to around two eighty. Um, I don't think anyone's taken into account the fact that it's a larger vehicle as well, and obviously that might mm. have some uh, some sort of effect on that range. That feels a little bit disappointing. I think for a big touring vehicle like this, it would have been nice to have seen maybe a longer range version that would go up to sort of three twenty ish. But who knows? There are no official figures yet. So yeah, they have the the thing they have revealed is the charging speed. So uh, both the seventy seven and eighty five kilowatt hour battery pack on this larger vehicle will offer up to two hundred kilowatt DC charging speeds. Yeah, that's really good. Like really, really good, isn't it? Sort of future proofing it. And there is also gonna be a four wheel drive variant of this called the ID Buzz GTX, sort of the, the GTI mm-hmm. version of, of the electric vehicles. That's gonna have up to three hundred and fifty five horsepower and not sixty around six seconds, which is pretty rapid for this big vehicle. It is, yeah, it's insane in that thing. That'd be yeah. massively popular, wouldn't it? Yeah. And there is also gonna be a cargo version of this for larger use cases and not not that it's been talked about yet, but this is sort of rumored to be the catalyst for the the um the upcoming VW California. So Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Next story is the Vauxhall Corsa got a bit of a redesign. So if you remember it fully charged, we saw the the new Vauxhall Astra Electric with that new yep. visor design. They're sort of moving that to the other other vehicles they've got in their lineup, which I, I really like the look of this. Yeah, um, same here. The, it makes the current Corsa look a bit dated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and along with the new design, Vauxhall have also sort of revamped the electrical drivetrain. So it's now going to have a range of up to 255 miles, which, as we discussed earlier in the show, why aren't Ford doing an electric Fiesta? This is proof that it's possible. Yeah, and I mean, the Corsa is uh, currently the second biggest selling new car in the UK. And oh, yeah. it's always in the top three, like year after year after year, it'll be in the top three. You have to think, taking the Fiesta out of the equation now, so many people are going to move over to the Corsa. But yeah, this looks looks great. It's a uh, it, it really does look like a step up from the, the the sort of current car. Oh yeah, and they've gone for 
as I said, that new visor design, they've gone for the sort of big lettering on the back saying Corsa E, uh, which is a big trend with vehicles at the moment. The interior mm. looks pretty the same, pretty much the same. I think the gear selector for the drive modes is a bit different. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I really like the look of that. That's going to be a big a big seller when it comes out. And if the EV version has that much range, which it's going to be, that's going to be a no brainer for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, it's got the same rapid charging, so 100 kilowatt rapid charging, which is all you need really um, yeah. for that model, and about seven kilowatts on a home charger. By the way, speaking of um, charging. Mm-hmm. Something interesting with that with the Subaru Solterra I've got outside now is that it can do I think it's 150 kilowatt charging at fast charger and obviously seven kilowatt on your home box. But if you're mm-hmm. lucky enough to have a three phase home charger, it will still only do seven kilowatts. I think that's to do with the the AC on board charger, isn't it? In that case, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it seems like a bit of a a misstep given that so mm. many new cars are. So <clears throat> it's something I've never really considered before. So something I'll I'll always look at in, in future EVs that I get to test. Yeah. I wonder if I'm not really, I don't really know much about electricity, like electrical bits, but I wonder if it's even possible to get DC charging at home. <laughs> I don't think it is. If you've got three phase. No, I, I can't imagine. Well, and the cost of the, the cost of the charges is incredible, isn't it? I think a yeah. Tesla supercharger is 250 grand. Per one? To, uh, I don't know if that includes the installation and the cost of actually bringing yeah. the infrastructure to it. But Jeez. yeah, that's what I've been told. I know that, that, that fast chargers cost insane amounts of money. Mm. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Cars, I think there's, there are some cars which have really good onboard chargers for AC charging. So um, mm. it's a good, it's a good thing to look at when you're reviewing them. Sorry, massive tangent there, but you know I love Go a on. tangent. No, that yep. was it. That was that was the <laughs> tangent. <laughs> <laughs> the very last story we've got for the new cars this this episode is this was literally just announced yesterday. This is the Volvo EX30, which I'm still a little bit sort of puzzled with the branding of Volvo and Polestar. Like, mm. I'm not sure, entirely sure why they're splitting the two out when the, the cars look pretty similar and they're owned by the same company. But it's it might it but obviously some good decisions behind it. But this is their new entry level SUV that's electric. Um, yeah, and and this looks incredibly impressive um, when you look at the numbers involved and the price point and everything else. Uh, Volvo's you know traditionally a premium brand. And this is competing directly up against things like the MG4. Yeah, it's, it's priced at thirty-three and a bit thousand pounds, uh, three hundred mm. miles of range, which is that's a that's a really good place for it to be. Uh, and I love some of the press images. They've got like an off-road version of the car with some nice knobbly tires and yeah. a spare wheel on the roof, so it looks like you're ready for adventure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Volvo have said that this is going to be sort of a a reinvention for the brand, and hopefully tr- attract new younger customers. Yeah, I guess that's where they're going with the knobbly tires and all that is to try and attract some of those Jeep Avenger customers because obviously that's going this is going to be a a direct rival for that Jeep Avenger. Yeah. Um Nord 62 as well. Uh was it 3.6 seconds for that they're going to do a twin motor performance version. 
Yeah. Uh, 3.6 seconds on that one, which sounds pretty st- <laughs> astounding. Uh, obviously, yeah. we don't know the price of that performance one when it comes. But no. it looks like um, – oh, actually, we do. Uh, it's 41 grand for the performance one. Um, That's not as much the- as I was expecting. No, the only thing that seems to let it down for me is the boot space. Uh, I think it's just over 300 litres of boot space if you go for the front-wheel drive, and it's mm-hmm. it loses about 60 litres if you go for the all-wheel drive. Right. And it would have been nice to have seen sort of 400 dropping down to 350. Um, but obviously, I'm not a car designer. <laughs> I'm good at good at spotting problems, but not solutions, maybe. But yeah, yeah, it 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 definitely looks like a very interesting car for Volvo to put out. And uh, I, I read just today actually that they're withdrawing the XC40 plug-in hybrid. Oh right, okay. Which would have been considerably more expensive than this car, and only a little bit bigger, really. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see the, you know, how they're kind of developing. And um, EX90 is going to be right up there at 100 grand, EX30 at 33 and a half. It seems like a good place for them to be. Definitely. And this is uh, like most car manufacturers now, they're sort of pooling their resources together. So this this platform that this new car sits on is also shared by the Polestar 4 and the Smart number one that we saw mm-hmm. at Fully Charged, which is a, yep. it's good. A lot of companies do that now from uh, Hyundai and Kia and obviously VW and Ford are doing it now as well. So it's a good way to bring costs down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that will only continue to rise, won't it, the, the number of cases where that happens. Yeah. Right, that's it for the EV news uh, this this month. We've got one story about charging, which is this is a huge, a huge deal for our listeners in the US. Last month, Ford and Tesla, which are an unlikely combination, in the US, every single supercharger location can now support both Fords and Teslas. Now, for some clarity, uh, the the way that Tesla's charge in the US is different to how they charge here. They've got their own proprietary connectors, and then here they just use CCS. Um, and Ford are now going to support a well. It's going to be quite seamless. So if you if you use a supercharger in the UK with a third party car, you've got to use the app and activate it. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to sort of do what a Tesla does and just charge your account automatically if you use that adapter that's going to convert it from Tesla to Type Two. Or- dc so yeah great news for ford owners terrible news for tesla owners <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> especially especially places like la where i've you know i've seen massive queues for tesla superchargers in la because seemingly every other car is a tesla um so yeah great for ford probably good for tesla pretty rubbish for tesla owners well, i'd imagine it will help give tesla some sort of not that well, not sure they need more funding but just give another revenue stream to help build out more more chargers in theory yeah it might and i guess ford might actually contribute the fact that they've opened it up they'll they'll mm-hmm. obviously be they would have paid quite a price for that i imagine um so perhaps ford will now start to install some of the infrastructure themselves yeah uh, so it says that Mustang Mach-E, F-150 Lightning, and e-transit vehicles can now access Tesla's supercharger network and those new V3 superchargers, which are the really fast ones. Uh, and there's a there's a custom software integration between Ford's apps on the infotainment screen and the Tesla network, so it's all seamless in theory. And that means now that private, private commuters, and also because the vans can do it, 
the delivery and tradespeople. So it should make business a bit faster. Yeah. Good, good. Right. You've got you've got some plugging to do. In terms I of have. DVs. Yeah, pl- plug in, pardon the pun. Uh, so next week, I will be heading down to Folkestone, and I'm going to be joined by another YouTuber, a chap called Tom Shorrock. Uh, Tom is known for his channel. Um, it's called Total Car Reviews. He he does a lot of classic mini restoration. He's an incredibly skilled uh, sort of mechanic, welder. He, he knows his way around a spanner, does Tom. Um, he's not so familiar with EVs. So the good people at Hyundai have given us an Ionic 6 for the week. But we're, we don't need it for a week. We need it for just one day. So Tuesday morning, we will be on a very early uh, Le Shuttle, as it's known now, the Euro Tunnel, uh, over to France. And we are going to do France, Belgium, Holland and Germany in one day. And we're going to do it on one charge. That's ambitious. <laughs> it is, it, uh, other people have said stupid, but um, <laughs> uh, now whether what one charge is the one that's already in the car or whether it happens en route is uh, yet to be decided. So we might use a bit of our artistic license in there. Um, realistically we're we're doing 350 miles so we're not going to be able to do that in the original charge but the point is i don't want to let the battery get down really low and then stick it on charge for an hour somewhere you know it needs to be a quick charge that fits in with the journey because we've got a hell of a lot of driving to do that day Mm -hmm. and we also want to stop at several uh points along the way we're going to stop at dunkirk in bruges we're going to stop in eindhoven and then we're finishing in duisburg so we we're going to stop and do a bit of filming in all those places and um you know make it kind of a travel vlog as well so we we don't really want to have to then go somewhere stop for a while you know use a fast charger service mm-hmm. station or something. We want it to be as convenient as possible because we've got a lot to do within a single day, but I think it's going to be a good video. It will be coming out on my channel, uh, probably the week after next, probably, um, I guess around about, let's have a look at the calendar. I guess around about 21st, 22nd of June It's going to be a bit of an epic video. Um, we think there'll be some follow-ups then on Tom's channel. There'll also be lots on all my social media. So please go to my link tree, which will be in the show notes for this episode and follow me somewhere on social media. And before we sign off, please uh, follow this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, like this podcast and leave reviews of this podcast. Every little helps folks. Oh, hundred percent. There you go. Plug machine. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Uh, As always, you can find this podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. For full description of this show, visit the episode link in the show notes. And of course, check out the chapters complete with those lovely images to make your listening experience much more enjoyable. Thanks again to Vehicle Score for sponsoring this episode. Vehicle Score helps reduce the guesswork on buying a used car. Remember to use the code CS10. That's Charlie Sierra 10. CS10 to get 10% off the cost of a vehicle history search. We also have an ad-free premium version of this show available on Apple Podcasts that will help support this episode and future podcasts from the interface. One last thing, Jim has a book out all about used cars. Be sure to check out that. It's a great read. Link is in the show notes. 
Awesome. Thanks, Jim, for joining me on the Charging Status Podcast. It's been great to talk about the news with you and also hear about what you've been driving. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do? Uh, they should go to my link tree, which it will be in the show notes. Uh, my link tree thing is DNAG for definitely not a guru. They can also go to notaguru.co.uk and of course my YouTube channel, which is definitely not a guru. Awesome. You can find the interface at theinterface.uk, car news, technology news, networking news, and also three different podcasts as well. So there is something for everyone. Thanks again, Jim, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Today's episode is sponsored by VehicleScore.co.uk, the best site to visit if you want to make a more informed decision when buying a used car.